Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast with Dr. David O. Ogaga. I would like us to read a story and I want us to understand something as to what God is really interested in about our lives and uh, how He looks at people and what He thinks and how He feels sometimes too based on the way we live and maybe our perception of things Okay, let's turn down to the book of Luke chapter 10. Let's read a few things on Luke 10. Amen. In Luke 10, the scripture says, After these things, the Lord appointed this one, 70 elders also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city, and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you as lambs among wolves, carrying neither money bag, snapsack, or sanders, and greet no one along the road. That's a hard commission. But whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Amen. Okay, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking, sources are the gift for the laborers, worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Begging, if you will. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as said before you, and heal the sick, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, um, let's quickly move down to. Verse 14. 14 is okay. Okay, no. Okay, let's get down to 17, I'm sorry. Verse 17. Are you there? Then the 17 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And verse 18 said, And he said to them, I saw it and fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpent and scapegoat over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. Verse 20, this is the key, what I'm looking for tonight, and what I want us to discuss. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirit are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's what I want you to, what I want us to consider this evening. What does it mean for somebody's name to be written in heaven? Is it a picture of uh, God keeping record up in, in the heavens? And so, maybe when we finally get to heaven, as we have been told, then a book is going to be open, And then maybe by the gate, they begin to search, and perhaps they start with letter O, because that's what my name starts with. Or when they get to letter O, so what's your name? Say, well, this is my name. And your name starts with letter O, then we'll go to the section where letters O starts and they begin to find out and see if your name is there. What does it mean for names to be written in heaven? Now remember, the Lord said, rejoice in this. Now when he said rejoice in this, it simply means this group of people's names are written where? In heaven. Are you listening? Come on. Am I talking? 
Walk with me tonight, please. Don't dampen my spirit. Okay, that it means this group of people have already got their names written where? In heaven. Am I right? Because that is statement rejoicing this. He's telling them of that which is already done. Your names are written in heaven. Now, it shows that these apostles, they have the conviction henceforth that our name is written in heaven. By implication, if they go up to heaven, they certainly can find their name in the books. But I want us to say something tonight. Now, if you check other translations, some other translators have, have been able to cross-check. It is a written in heaven, written in the heavens. Okay? So your names are written in the heavens. Alright. Now again, note, it is plural. But we're not going to discuss the aspect of being even plural. We just want to look at the aspect of how is it that somebody's name can be written in heaven. How can you be sure your name is written in heaven? Even as you are sitting there, I ask you the question, is your name written in heaven? What will be your answer? I know there will be confusion. Because you are not so sure. Come on, come on. Am I talking? <laughs> you are not so sure. You have not been to heaven. And uh, no angel has come to speak to you and say, Well, in the records up in heaven, your name is there. So you are not sure. Am I right? Okay. Turn with me to Exodus 33 verse... Exodus 32 verse 32, rather. Exodus 32 verse 32. It's a very simple thing we are discussing tonight, but I think it will open you up to faith. Are we there in Exodus 32? Uh, look at verse 32. Now, remember, this is when the children of Israel, what will I use now, made God to be angry and God said he was going to destroy them all. Okay? And Moses was praying for them. Can you see verse 32? Yet now, if you win, if you forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. Now, this is somebody who's been able to know that he's got a book written and his name is there. So that's the question. You see, are you convinced or you are not? Are you even sure or do you know? That your name is Moses said his name is written. He knew his name is written. I don't know how he knew. I know he was on earth. Okay, so well then he went to my sign and no, it was not because where they gave him the laws. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Okay, talk with me to the book of Philippians, chapter four. Let me show you another statement by a brother. See, if you are, your, your understanding of your relationship to God, we, we make you and give you extra liberty to live out the life of God, which has given unto you already. Philippians 4. Are you there? Let me read from verse 1. Therefore, my beloved, I long for brethren, my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I employ Iodia and I employ Syntech, or what is this? To be of the same mind in the Lord. I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, 
with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. How did Paul know? Can you see anything there? See, all these people that have been mentioned, Clement, Cynthia, Yoda, all of them, Paul said their names are written in the book of life. How did he know? So we find two people saying their names are written. Apostle. Now, for him to say these people's names are written in the book of life, it also means himself knows his name is written in the book of life. Am I talking? Are you listening to me? So how did Paul know? How did Moses know? Because if you know your name is written in the book, maybe that will also change your perception of living and thinking. Huh? Are you getting this? So, you see, you see look at the way Moses was praising, you better blot out my name. He has so much assurance that his name is there. So how and when did they get to heaven to see that the book that God had written? Now you see, theology will tell you, or when I call it Christianity, will tell you, you can only know when you get there. Am I talking? Yeah. I remember a brother preaching when, when South Africa was making that statement. Say, see, there are three surprises that you're going to get when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, you may discover your best friend's name is not in the book. Say <laughs> that's the full surprise. You may discover that the people that you don't recognize their name is in the book. And you may discover that your name may not be in the book. <laughs> but you see, you don't need to get there before you know. That is what I want to share with you tonight. Are you listening to me? Look at the statement Jesus made to these people. They rejoiced on your name. That means they already know right from that moment their names are in the book. And here is Moses saying, my name is in the book. If you forget these people as an intercessor, you better remove my name. I want to join them. Are you listening to me? And here is again Apostle Paul saying, well, there is this book that is already written. Clement's name is there. Yoda's name is there. All those women who work with me, their name is there. By implication, Apostle Paul has seen the book. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Are you there with me? You see, there are some things we need to know. If we change the way we handle this book, and even the way we relate to people. Do you understand this? It's an interesting thing if you know that perhaps in a school, in the register of a school, you can find the name of your classmates. You have a different relationship. Sometimes if you are talking, you say, no, she is my classmate because we are in the same class. Of course, in the morning when both of you come, you answer to the same teacher in the class when it begins to call the names. Am I talking? There's a relationship that is built because all of you are in the same register. You get this? Okay. So what do we mean names written in heaven? And then I'm going to show you also what it means for your name to be blotted out. Because if Moses had blotted out my name, it means some names can be blotted out. Is that Okay. Because there have to be a balance in all of this understanding. Okay, turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 7. Let's begin to get some pictures. Nehemiah chapter 7. And uh, we can start reading from... What verse are we going to pick from there? 
Wow. Okay. Let's get down to verse 5. Let's start reading from verse 5. Are we all there? Nehemiah chapter 5. Chapter 7. Now remember, this, the book of Nehemiah, the book of Ezra, are the book of restoration and the building. Okay? Of those who came in from where? From captivity. Is that okay? After the city, the walls have been built, something happened. Now, what happened? Nehemiah called for a register of the people that came back from Babylon. Let's begin to read. So, Nehemiah chapter 7, let's look at verse number 5. Then my God, look at this. City, the city has been built, everything has been done, the walls have been put in place. Okay, let's get down so that I can get a picture of verse 1. Let's get down to verse 1. Then it was when the wall was built and had hung the doors when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed. Are you with me? Verse 2. That I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Ananiah and Hananiah, the leader of the Satyr, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. That's a good testimony. Verse 3. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors, and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station, and another in front of his own house. Verse 4. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not rebuilt. Now pick up with me from verse 5. Then my God put into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers and the people, that they might be what? Registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return and found written in it. Come on, let's know this picture. Are you there with me? Come on, are we together? Now, he said, after he finished building, and they were watching, and it's like, let me use the word, he said, it's about to be open for habitation. He said, the Lord impressed in his heart to take a census of the people. Is that alright? And so, he has to take a census of the people based on their genealogy. Listen to me. We may not be so conscious of genealogy, but for the Jewish people, that was very serious. And that's why you can find that genealogy of Jesus was properly recorded in the book of Matthew chapter 1. Is that okay? Come on. Are we here? Alright. Now get this picture. He said, the Lord put into my heart to take the record of the people by genealogy. Of those who first returned. Now remember, there were two returns from Babylon. So the first return and the second return. Now he said, now let's go get the 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 genealogy of these people, let's get the number of these people by genealogy. And while he was trying to do that, he found a record of the first set of people that returned. Amen? Are you there with me? Okay. Now we're not going to read all the genealogy. But from verse 6 down to... Such a long reading. From verse 6 down, it's all about the genealogy of those who returned in the first return. 
Is that okay? Now get to verse 63. I want to show you something there. Verse 63. Are we all there? Nehemiah 7, 63. 4. That's good. Uh, okay, take it from verse 62. The sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nekodah, 602 and 42. And of the priests, now remember this is the genealogy, the record of the genealogy of the first return. Is that okay? Hello? Now, of the priests, the sons of Habiah, the sons of Koz, the sons of uh, Bazlai, who took a wife of the daughters of Bazilai, the Gileadite, and was called by their name. Now listen to this, verse 64. These sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore they were excluded from the priesthood as they filed. Did you get that? Now, it shows that, listen closely, these people, they said, we are from the priesthood. And that when they looked at the book, they couldn't find the record of their genealogy. By implication, they were kind of impersonated. It could be true, but they couldn't find the record. Now, God is interested in the record. By implication, if you are saying you are a Levite, they're going to trace you back to your genealogy. For you to be qualified to be able to minister. And that is one of the things that the church for today will not be able to, to explain. Especially those of my brethren who feel the new temple has to be built in Jerusalem, the heifer have to be killed, and the Levite have to go functioning again. One of the hardest things that they are going to be able to encounter in that belief is to be able to find a true Levite from the genealogy of the Levite to function there. God is not going to accept anybody except you come through the genealogy. Are you listening now? So the people we are told were excluded. Why? Because their name were not in the book. <laughs> now, okay. Did you follow what I just said? Is that okay? Is it clear to you? Okay. These people's name were not there, so they were excluded. No, they have all, maybe they even have the uniform of being priests. Is that all right? They had all what it takes and, you know, they even know what to do. But as long as their name was not in the book, they were excluded. They just can't minister. They were sent out. In fact, the Bible says <laughs> they were polluted. They haven't done anything but just because their name was not found in the record of the genealogy. Okay. Praise the Lord. Now remember, this record of the first return I was talking about are the people who left Babylon. Let me explain something here. See, people don't know the difference between temple and synagogue in the Bible. Is that alright? They don't know the difference between temple and what? And synagogue. Now, see, synagogue was the place of worship even before they went to Babylon. It's like the temple. Is that alright? But when these people returned from Babylon, they said, when they went on exile, their brethren that were left behind, they corrupted themselves with other people. So their worship is not true. So what did they do? Even in Babylon, remember, uh, there used to be a song. But remember Zion, in the captivity, they required us a song. How can we sing a long song in a strange land? Is that okay? Now what were they doing? They were worship on the trees. 
That's where they will stay and be singing the songs of Zion. Now such worship becomes a kind of a type of, because they will not go to their own temple, they will not go to their shrines. they will stay under trees and they will be singing about Zion, remembering home. Is that alright? And sometimes people will come and say, sing this song for us. This song you used to sing when you were at home. You know, things like that. So that's why that statement came. How they require from us a song. How can we sing the long song in where? In a strange land. Good. Now, when they finally returned home, they discovered that their brethren had polluted themselves with other worships. Other gods and other temples. So with that, they decide to separate themselves from worshiping in the temple. So those of them who came back from captivity, are you listening? They were now the people worshiping under trees or makeshift, and they called a synagogue. So the synagogue was attached to those who came back from captivity, while the temple was for those who remained. While they were in captivity. Can you understand what I'm talking about? That's why the Bible says, sometimes when you read the scripture, you find that Jesus went to the synagogue, sometimes he went to the temple. Have you, have you noticed that? Are you, are you following what I'm talking about? He will go to the synagogue, he will go to the temple. The synagogue was for those who returned from captivity. The temple was those who they left behind. Those who came back refused to mix up. Now get the picture again. Those who came back and find their name in the book of the return, they have every way of saying to it that they did not mix up with those whose names were left behind. Now you are beginning to understand. Those who came were pure, holy unto the Lord. Come on, are you there with me now? But those who were left behind are what? Polluted. Simple. Therefore their names is not in this book. Are you following it now? Because this record is for those who returned. It's not for everybody, but for those who return. And I'm going to prove that to you again from the scriptures. But let's read something in the book of Revelation. You know, Revelation 13, uh, Revelation 13 verse 8, for instance. So, those who names are in the book of life are the returnees. Hmm? Not refugees, but returnees. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Come on, are we here? Look at Revelation chapter. Now, you know Revelation 13 has to do with the issue of the beast. Is that alright? There's a beast and those who worship the beast and all of those stuff. Okay, now, Revelation 13. Uh, let's look at it. Verse 8. All who dwell, if you, if you like later, you take your time to read from verse 1, but let's read from verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written where? In the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, get this. It means this is a system of a people that worship a different God other than the Lord. Are you seeing anything now? It means those whose names are written in the Lamb Book of Life, they will worship the Lord. But those whose names are not written there, they will worship another thing, which is the beast system. Just the same class of people, the returnees from Babylon, and those that were met at home. 
Are you picking it now? Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? Those whose names are not written in the last book of life will worship the beast. And those are the people who call the earth dwellers. But those whose names are written will worship the Lamb. And these are heavenly dwellers. Are you getting this? Praise the Lord. Now, let me just show that pledge to you from the book of Isaiah. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah 4 verse 3. This is talking about the word, beloved, of the vineyard of the Lord. If you will, let's read from verse 1, Isaiah chapter 4. And in that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food, and we are our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and appealing for those of whom... I mean, of Israel who have escaped. Note that. Now look at verse 3. And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion, is that okay? And remains in Jerusalem will be called what? Holy. Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. Now I want you to get this picture right. Here he's saying the remnant, the remnant by implication, who are not taken to captivity. Is that okay? Shall be holy unto who? Come on, come on, come on. Unto the Lord. They shall be what? A holy seed unto the Lord. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? Now, the Bible said, Those that shall be named among the living. Who are the living? Those whose names are written in the life of the Lamb Book of Life. They have life within them. Remaining where? In Zion and in Jerusalem. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? So God is making from this scripture a distinction. Now, where is Zion today? Remember we read about the Clements who are already in heaven. Is that okay? Come on, are we here? The Odells and the sisters, according to Philippians 4, who are already whose names are already written in heaven. Is that alright? Okay, now I ask you the question, if your name is also written, and you know you find some problem. Now remember, the Bible is telling us here. Read it again, then I'll show you the scripture. It says, And it shall come to pass that he who is left in Zion or remains in Jerusalem will be called holy everyone who is recorded among the living in Jerusalem. 
Now look at verse 4. When the Lord had washed away the feet of the daughters of Zion and poured the blood of Jerusalem from their half our midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above us assemblies a cloud and a smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night for over all the glory shall be watched a covering. And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat from the place of refuge and for a shelter from the storm and rain. Okay. Now get down to Hebrews chapter 12. Let me gradually begin to take you now to how it concerns you and how it affects you. Hebrews 12. Remember, he said, The holy ones are in Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Is that okay? Hebrews 12. Look at this now. Let's start reading from verse 22. But ye have come to Mount Zion. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are what? Registered where? In heaven. To God the judge of all, to the spirit of just men made perfect. It simply means every true believer. Has his name registered where? In heaven. You don't need to die to go to heaven to know that your name is on the book. Come on. Am I talking to somebody? Do you understand this? You see, what Moses was saying in Exodus 32, 32 is this. I am among the redeemed of the Lord. And if you want to destroy them, count me out. I don't want to find favor in their sight again. Let me be among those you are going to destroy. Your name in the book means you have been brought out of the war. That is just what it means. So we go by what happened in the book of Nehemiah. We find that God is taking a record of those who have been taken out of the war into his own company. Now, in the natural... Even the government does that. Every child that is born has the birth certificate. And the government knows how many people are in the community. If we are, though, we violate that. Not everybody has birth certificates. Eh? Unless you want to go to school, they're going to write one for you. But in the true sense, the principle was right. That enables the people working with the population to know how many children are born per time. And so when they are planning, they can put them into the planning program. Is that okay? Even the same, any time. Now, maybe you need to begin to understand as well when the scripture says, the heavens rejoice when a sinner is born again. Because somebody is born again. That's a register is open. The day anybody is born again, his name goes into the book of life. Are you listening? So you see, Every day when we win souls, we increase the volume of the register. So you don't need to die or tell people when they die before they can know. No, that's not true. Except you're telling them, of now, they are not born again. That only when they die, then will they be born again and their name can come into the book of life. No, my friend, that's not Bible. The day a sinner repents, his name enters into the last book of Life as a register. So there are two registers, if you will. 
I won't have the time to show you the other register, but in the book of Jeremiah, it says, Let your name be written among those that are written on the earth. So there's a register for the heavens and a register for the earth. Is that okay? All right. And those whose names are registered. has to do with the outlet system. Amen? So, you cannot understand when David Moses said, blot out my name from your book. It's not strange. He knew he was among the redeemed. Is that okay? You should be able to know if you are among the redeemed or not. And so when Paul is saying, these people, their names are written, he knew because he knew they were among the redeemed. He recognized those who have been redeemed, who are believers, who have accepted the Lord, who are working with, he recognized them. He acknowledged them. Hallelujah. So it's not one big book somewhere that some angels are compiling, that only when you die and get to heaven and then by the gates, Maybe in Michael or in Gabriel or in Theophilus, maybe. We come on and say, okay, what's your name? They may not even know your name. They want to find out from you. What's your name? Some Kevin. Okay, Kevin, what's your surname? As if the name would be I have anything to do with anything out there. Am I talking to somebody? Would it not be foolish for you for you imagine that God the Bible says God gives you a name? He knows who you are. It's not the name that your parents give to you, that's your name. Otherwise, they wouldn't have called John John. They will have called him Zacharias. I, I don't I, is anybody who understand what I'm talking about? They will have called him Zacharias, but God said name his name is John. I have a word for him. And there is something unique about his life. He said, I call you by name. He has a name, he called you. He has nothing to do with you being called David or Michael or James or John or Andrew or eh? the Baron has given birth, whatever. Check some of the names we, we, we call our people. They are all symbolic of the thing we pass through. Just like Rebecca wanted to call uh, Benjamin Benoni. And his father said, no, you can call him the child of my sorrow. He is the child of my right hand. See? So, you are not getting to anywhere called heaven and then you are going to see a book and then somebody is going to begin to cross-check your alphabetical names and then get you to say whether, I can see your name. So, but, uh, I know I registered, I can see your name, sensors are taking place. They didn't count you. Nothing like that. You are already registered the day you were born again. Amen, somebody? That is the truth of the gospel of Jesus. So everyone that has come to Mount Zion has received his name or have his name written where in the Lamb's book of life. That is the simple word of God. And that is why he was telling them in that Luke 10. So all the demons were subject unto us and said that is not the issue. That is not what you excite you because by implication it is supposed to be what must definitely accompany your belief. But rejoice on this ground that even now, you've got your name written where? In heaven. In other words, you are a part of the congregation of the church of the firstborn. That's what should excite you. So, your salvation should give you excitement. 
the belief that you've come into another company of a people should give you excitement. What should give you joy is this, you are in the household of faith. Is that okay? Hallelujah. Okay, let me show you something. Revelation 3, verse 5. I'm sure this is not too deep. Is this simple enough? You following it? Uh-huh. Because so you see, the problem is sometimes when you read the book, you don't see these little things. But God has given some of us grace to find little things that matters too. Especially when it conflicts with human theology. Amen. Look at verse, uh, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Hallelujah. Jesus is talking about blotting out the name. Why is this so? Now, Jesus said this. As I often say, the New Testament apostle. And then Moses made reference to that. You remember that? Blot my name out. Hmm? Fine. So, what does it mean to blot out your name? Hallelujah. Let's quickly look at something again. It's, it's prophetic, but let's look at it. Um, Psalm 69. Those of you who don't have notes, let me show you one secret of what you can do to keep record of some of these things. You just get a Bible. Okay? I mean, get your pen. Uh, sorry, it's going to the box. You can see here the body of Christ. If you don't have jotters, when meetings like this are going on, what you do is to open the back page of your Bible. If you know the message is, is strong and it's going to be a blessing to you, and then you'll be tracking the references. Otherwise, what you do again is, as you read the scripture, you track. What I mean tracking is, you just write the next verse that is going to be quoted, Right on that verse that you have just read. That will keep your record going because you don't have the brain to accumulate all this all the time. Okay, now, are we then in the book of uh, Psalm 69? Psalm 69, let's look at verse. Now, Psalm 69, the true sense is a prophetic psalm as well. Uh, I will show you one or two things to let you know that he wasn't just talking about David. Because you might be tempted to say, oh, David prayed this prayer. And so, and so, and so on. Now, look at it from... Let's read it from verse 16. Hear me, O Lord, for... Now, I'm going to ask you some questions as to who you think is talking. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me again. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies. And do not hide your face from your servants. For I'm in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversary are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart. I am full of heaviness. I look for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I find none. They also gave me God for my food. What is God? Fine. And for my test, they gave me vinegar to drink. Who is talking? Fine. Did you see? So it's not David talking. All right. 
Let their table become a snare before them. Whose table? Whose table? Now let me ask you this question. Who are the people that really, really crucified Jesus? The Jews. Fine. Let their table. Why is the table? The table is a place of the sacrifice. Is the altar of sacrifice. The table is a place of sacrifice. Is that okay? It's a place of communion. Let their table, let their service be a snare to them. What he's saying here is this. They so believe into the religious order, the Jewish system, without knowing that I come in to establish a new order. And let their worship become a snare to them. Are you listening to this? I'm trying to make you see those whose names can be blotted out of the book of life. Now just read on. Hallelujah. Let your table become a snare before them, and their way be a trap. Let your eyes be darkened so they do not see, and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let your dwelling place be desolate, let no one live in their tents. For they persecute the ones they have struck, and talk of the grief of those you have wounded. Who is the person that's truly wounded? Is the Lord Jesus. Is that okay? And in add iniquity to iniquity, and let them not come into their righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. Did you get this? Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. So now this is a picture of Jesus. Actually, he's talking about the Jewish religion. And what they've done to him. Describe the Pharisees who said crucify him. Is that okay? Now. It's like this prayer is trying to say. There is no way they can come to the light. Because they've seen the light. And they refuse to embrace the light. And you find out in the book of John chapter 9. From 39, 40, 41. There was this blind man that was healed. And then the question of as to who he's seeing. And he said. If you were blind, you will have seen. But because you say you see, therefore you are blind, and your seeing remains. I see it as a fulfillment of this scripture. It said, God, let them be blind. <laughs> are you getting this? I know Isaiah said the same thing. Amen. So one of the things that will cause your name to be blessed out of the book of life is where you become too religious to embrace the ways, light and life. Hello? Are you following what I'm saying? Hallelujah. When you become too religious, so religious, let me show you what I mean. Turn to that place. Uh, it's not part of this, but let's speak it. But there's a scripture I need to read before that. Okay, first of all, just turn to the book of. Um, let me show you something. If you look at our verse 8, he said 28. Hmm? What did he say? He said, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Now go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 13, verse 9, before I get down to verse 9, to show you the implication. Ezekiel 13, verse 9. Implication of being too religious without embracing who the Lord is. Ezekiel 13, verse 9. Praise the Lord. Oh, where is Ezekiel here? Okay. 
13 verse 9 What is he saying? Ezekiel 13 verse number 9 My hand will be against the prophets Who envision futility And who divide lies They shall not be in the assembly Of my people Nor be written in the record of the house of Israel Nor shall they enter into the land of Israel Then you shall know that I am the living God Did you get this? You understand that? So those to be blotted out are religious people. So when he said, I'll blot your name out of the book of life, what Jesus was simply saying in Revelation 3 is this, you can become too religious without knowing who I am. And that's what Ezekiel was saying here. The prophets here were prophets quite right. Is that okay? But the Bible said they envision lies and prophesy lies. And so he was going to blot their name out from those to live in the land of Jerusalem. So the thing that disqualifies you or takes your name out of the record is religiosity. Do you understand this? Otherwise, the day you are born again, your name is written down where? In the Lamb's book of life. You are among those in man's eye. From every day when you are among them. Now you become too religious. And you don't seem to have the life of God any longer in you. But religion is flowing through your life. Let me show you John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Uh... Praise the Lord. Let's read it. Um, now, Jesus healed a blind man and found him in the temple or whatever. From verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. You know, see what happened. The man that was blind that finally saw seeing was cast out of the temple. You see, religion don't want you to see. Is that alright? Religion is a blind realm. It's a blind realm. They don't want you to see. They won't want you to see. Big system don't want you to see anything. You should see them, but not Christ. The days your eyes got open, they will cast you out. So, hear this. What verse are we reading? Verse 35. Jesus heard that they are cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is the Lord that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. See that. The beast will worship the other system. Those who believe in the Lord worship the Lord. Verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. Remember the prayer he prayed in Psalm 69. Can you correlate them? Okay, now. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things, these words, and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say you see, therefore your sin what? Remains. That's why he said, Let your table become a snare. Hmm? 
Let their worship become a trap. How have their worship become a trap? Because they can't see beyond what they seem to believe, which is their Jewish system of religion. Therefore, they are blind. Now remember, in John 1, I think verse 29, the Bible says, He came to take away the sin of the world. And, and you can take that to be the inbred sin, one sin. Can we look at it? John 1. Uh, John 1 verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away what? How many? One sin. The sin of the world. One. No sins. Now, you can interpret it to be the inbred sin. Okay? The inbred sin. Is that alright? Uh, just like Psalm 91 or... Is this Psalm 91? Or Psalm what? Isaiah 91 or Psalm 91 or something. Uh, the scripture. 51? 51? Psalm 51, the scripture will say, In sin did my mother conceive me. Is that okay? Is that okay? Alright. So, we say that is an inbred sin. But I see beyond that. Because if I correlate it to what Jesus said... You are blind, therefore your sin remains. It means it is sight that releases you from that sin. And so what are the sin? It is the same sin of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It will make one wise. Come on, are you listening to me? The wisdom the particles is that tree of knowledge of good and evil turn them away from spirit into the flesh. And so whatever thing that manifested afterwards was because of what they finally begin to see. Now they are blind to the spirit, but open to the wall. Now as long as you are open to the wall, you are open to religion and all other things, you can see the spirit. Therefore your sin remains. Because you said you see. Just like the serpent told them, the day you eat of this tree, you shall become wise as God. So you said, you see. So religion makes you feel you see, but you are blind. And as long as you are blind to the reality of who Christ is, your name cannot be in the book of life. Am I talking to somebody? It's so simple. He said, you say, you see, therefore your sin remains. Your sin, not your sins. Your sin. How many sins did they commit? He's saying one sin. And it is one sin he came to remove. The sin of I know it all. The sin of self-righteousness. The sin of I can do it without him. The sin of I can become as God. Is that okay? Because the eight of the tree, the eyes were what? Open. That's what the scripture said. So he said, I make him to religious people. Do you mean we are also blind? <laughs> He said, if you were blind, you will have seen. What is he trying to say? If you were blind to the world. Now remember when he said in verse 29, take away the sin of the world. Take away the sin of the cosmos. The orderly arrangement of things, the organizations, the system of man. What is leading man to do what he's doing, he wants to take it away. It's not necessarily Satan in that language. Is that okay? Satan is not a sin. We often believe that Satan is what makes us a sin. Am I right? But he's talking about the sin of the world. So what is the sin of the world? The sin of the world is 
independent of God. You can rule your life without Him. That is sin of the world. So to put on system that God have not originated. Remember, in the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that after Adam and Eve had sinned, they had Cain, and Cain, the Bible says, left the presence of the Lord and went to the land of Nod, which is, a, which is called a strange or wandering vagabond area from the presence of the Lord. And yet again, we are told that he built a city and he named it after his son. He was the first man to start building cities. But Abraham was looking for a city that would build a mega. It's God. So you see, the originator of the wall is actually Cain. Because he's the first man to start building a city. Before Nimrod had to build his own. And that's why Abraham was looking for a city. Whose builder and maker is God. Now, what made man to build a city independent of God is the sin which also flows into religion. And that is why he discovered in the book of Revelation, Mystery Babylon is called a great city. Are you getting this now? It's called a great city. So one spirit is leading man to build cities. And that is the spirit of what? Independent. Instead of being dependent on God, we want to become what? Independent. That is a sin that your blindness will always make you continue to remain in. And Jesus said, if you were blind, you will see. Because when you come to me, I will open your eyes to see the reality of who you are supposed to be. And now you see in the external, you are not seen in the spiritual. Is that okay? And what that begins to happen, then your name is being blotted out from what? From the book of life. So what am I trying to make you understand? Just like he told them in Luke chapter 10. Rejoice, for your name is written in the heavens, which is the book of life. Just rejoice in that, that you are children of God, that you are partakers of God. I mean... And that you are becoming, and that you are sons of God. And that, of course, your name is written among the names in the book of life because you are come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. And every city has to have a census to know how many people are in that city. So as many as come to Mount Zion, the names are recorded, and God knows them one by one. Remember what he said in the book of Isaiah. He said, I know you by name. And since he said, he named them by name, he said, none of the stars of the heavens shall fall. It is when you realize that your name is written in the book of life, and that religion will not take you out of him so that your name will not be blotted out. I tell you, there is a guarantee of life for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he will protect his own. He will protect his own. See, even in the natural, even if there is a dead corpse on the road, I wanted to show you an implication of what I'm telling you. If you see a dead corpse on the road, the government will be invited. Have you noticed that? Everybody will be querying the local government. Querying the whatever. Why are they querying? This is a dead corpse. The relationship come and pick the dead corpse, but the government are involved. That's why you see, sometimes when you are life like this, you are important. Not only to your relation, but to the government. But the truth is, if you die mysteriously, the government is more important. You are more important to the government than your relations. It will shock you. Because of them, you have, from the, the record, from the, the, the principle is, you have depopulated the town or the city. And your name is supposed to be in the book, so you must check it out. And that's why the Bible says, Precious, 
in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So you see, God watches over you because your names are in the heavens. So I'm, I present to you tonight that you don't need to die to know that your names are written where? In the book of life. You are there already. Your name is there. It's only religion that can make your name to the world blotted out. But the Lord said, He that overcome it, I will not blot out his name. So what are you going to overcome? The spirit of I know it all, the spirit of religion that will cause your name to be what? Blotted out. For further information and message order, please call plus two three four eight zero three four eight one zero eight six nine. Or you can visit our website at www.gkai.net. God bless you.